What's up, Run Local podcast family? This is JT Service, the founder of Run Local and the co-host of the Run Local podcast. Uh, We have a very special episode for you today. Um, We partnered with the guys at the Early Call podcast. Uh, That is Tony and Eli, two of the best race directors in the game. Uh, They host the podcast called Early Call, where they bring on people from the running industry. They talk shop. They bring up questions. In this episode, they brought me on. Um, so we talked a little bit about the founding of Soul Focus, all the things I do with Run Local and another company called Silverback. They also brought on a surprise guest, uh, someone who you might not have heard of. His name is Kyle Myers. Uh, he's one of my best friends. He's also one of my uh, coworkers and the founder of Silverback, our event uh, production brother company. Uh, but enjoy this podcast. It's, it's a good one. It's a good way to learn about the foundations of Run Local and Soul Focus and, you know, hear funny stories that I've been dealing with over the last 10 years. So without further introduction, this is an episode that will be broadcast on both the Early Call podcast as well as the Run Local podcast. Give it a listen and we'll catch up with you with a fresh episode uh, in two weeks. Peace and Run Local. Oh yeah, baby. Today is your day. Time to get out there on the run, 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 and have tons of fun, fun, fun. You're listening to Early Call Time. Oh yeah. Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of Early Call Time, the podcast where we discuss issues and news in the road race industry and get to know some of the people who keep it running. My name is Eli Ash, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Tony Yamanaka. Hey there, Tony. What is up? You know, not too much, Friday afternoon. And then um, today we are also joined uh, by another special guest um, who we are going to be having on for uh, this interview. So, Tone, do you want to introduce our numerous early riser listeners uh, to our interview guest today? Of course. We've talked about him before. Excited to have him here. That is JT, Just Truth Service. <laughs> so JT, you have probably the longest title because you are involved in so many different things. Uh, founder of Soul Focus uh, and Run Local Events, CEO at Silverback. You have Silicon Valley Marathon, and obviously you have your super successful podcast and video podcast, as well as your Wednesday <laughs> live video stuff. So you're really kind of all over the place in yeah. the best way possible, right? It's, a, it's amazing how many things you just said I did and how little I actually did. <laughs> so it's, I think I was uh, great. Uh, it, I'm just stoked to be here with you guys uh, to talk about the things we all love the most. Events and running and those things, but yeah, I got a lot of a lot of titles to my name. I've been in this game plus years, I think. So just kind of accumulating little projects. So is this kind of the equivalent of like the janitor that gets more and more keys, <laughs> and now you have this yeah. massive keychain? I feel like it makes you indispensable at that point. You're like, nah, I'm gonna keep the code for that. I did, I think a lot of it is just curiosity. Like, oh, I want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I think it's actually led to a lot of our success over the last six months like in terms of still, still being alive and still floating through a really tough time in the event space. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you touched on something. It's a lot of different things that you do pretty much daily. So I guess paint a picture for us. What is a day in the life of JD? That's a good question. I think it starts pretty selfish. It starts with making sure JT gets some movement in. Uh, it varies from uh, running, trail running, maybe a bike ride, maybe a Peloton most recently. Just a trend, trend all over the place. This morning, I jumped in the surf, so I got a little longboard in. I live in Santa Cruz, California, so water kind of helps there, too. Once I'm kind of taken care of, then I feel like I'm a much better person to go and tackle uh, inbound inquiries from clients or outbound stuff we're doing with Run Local or I work with Kyle and the Silverback team. I become much more energetic if I, if I feel good myself. So start with some energy there. And then it you know, used to be going to an office. Now it's go to the guest bedroom, flip on the computer, and I go on offense for a couple hours, which just means, I mean, things that I want, outbound inquiries, outbound things to my team, outbound things to my clients. And then the afternoon is just playing defense. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. At the end of the day, there's probably like three or four beers. And then, um, gosh, whatever my girlfriend wants to watch on TV, I'm pretty much shut up by that point. And we just do that every single day, five days a week. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I actually I like have it. never heard it described as offense and defense. Mm. We kind of, it makes perfect sense. You kind of yep. offload your plate, be like, these are all outbound. Let's see yep. how it comes back. Ball's in their court. Yeah, I do a lot of business development too. So if I'm not doing that, I can play defense all day long. I think we can all play defense all day long. There's so many things in events coming at you in terms of answering questions or project managing for all those, you know, those minute details and to not deal with those right away, I think it keeps the, the business turning by, by getting us ahead of new opportunities. That's why I consider it offense. Maybe a good fix. I don't know if it's a good offense. I flipped it. Always. Innovation yeah. at its best. Always. <laughs> with JT, learning new lessons day to day, minute by minute. All offense. <laughs> <laughs> this is the free core press. Yeah, exactly. I'm just step free. I get across the half court. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a dubs thing you've got going on. You're just like jacking 40 foot bombs. I don't care if we give up 120. (laughs) That's amazing. That's like old school soccer. There's a good book called Inverting the Pyramid where they used to have like nine strikers, one defender. And you're basically that. Good job. Versus the Italian team, who's just like, everyone get back in goal. Packs it in. Make the yeah. <laughs> 90 minutes as possible. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I think it's hard to say what you do on day-to-day because you're doing so much. Yeah. You know, you have your, your fingers in so many different things. But you mentioned that you start your day with essentially sport and I think we all know through the industry that you have a pretty solid background from a running uh, perspective. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your relationship with running um, as a yeah. runner, or maybe not so much as someone that works in the industry? No, absolutely. I, mean, I love the sport. It's been a part of my family for a really long time. So I don't think a lot of people know that, that it goes a little deeper than just myself. So my dad was a high school coach, and then he was a college cross country and track coach at the University of Santa Clara. Um, for 10, 12 years, something like that. So I grew up 
you know, going to high school practice and doing hill repeats, it felt like when I was 12, and I didn't know that that wasn't supposed to be fun. I was probably in Converse or something like that, just hanging with the high school kids at a very young age. And uh, that matured into, you know, a, a reasonable high school running career. It got me to UC Santa Barbara. Uh, we had a really great team at UCSD. I was okay. Uh, I think I, I ran through fast cross like my senior year. But the coolest part for me was the team, like the cross team and the track team. And in a way, that's the thing I've tried to keep going at sole focus and run local. And a lot of them actually still work on the team. I just ended up hiring team members to get the <laughs> heck out of them. Um, and then after college, I uh, joined the Aggies. It was the Aces Aggies, now it's the Oka One Aggies, uh, and ran the marathon. I was in the 2008 Olympic trials, ran 221.20 for the marathon, um, and that one was in New York City, uh, and that was kind of the end of it. I think at that point, I realized I need to go, need to, I want to go work. I probably didn't need to go work or do crazy jobs. I just started having other interests in the business. Um, went to law school and started, thought I was going to be like the Jerry Maguire of Olympic sports and, um, Turned out that you know, 15% of very little is even less. That's <laughs> <laughs> essentially what age running agents and people are making right now. And that wasn't enough for me. And I got into events. And I thought, oh, this is for me. There's so many things in events. There's um, marketing, there's operations, there's like, team management, there's you know, medical plans, there's politics, there's so many great things in events. And then you start to see like why my mind drifts towards this world. Like, yes, I do a lot of things, and I do them because there are, like, an ADD person's dream, right? Like, if you want to do a little bit of everything, you know, on a race, you're a race director. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit before okay. unpacking that a little bit more. Sure. Uh, last year, JP, I know your personal relationship, like you said, with running has changed a little bit. There are all these different kinds of movements, not trying to OTQ. But I briefly heard a rumor last <laughs> year that yeah. you were planning on running CIM while I was still race directing there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. What happened? Uh, injury, working too much? What, what, what kept you from running our course? Yeah, great, great question. Because I, I just get that little itch sometimes, and I'm like, I want to do this one more time. I'm going to feel that pain one more time. I'm train with my friends one more time and do some, some big miles. And so I get that itch, and then I'm like, oh, CIM is perfect because everyone runs faster. Because you created a smoking fast course out there. Um, I think it's typically been injury. It's been that I'm 40 years old. I forget that I'm 40 years old, and I still try to train like it's uh, 2006, you know, or whenever it was that I was running hard. Uh, so I, I, I have a hard time staying healthy when it comes to putting in big miles, and that's why I'm on the bike. That's why I'm in the water. That's why I'm you know, doing three sections. Got it. But, but it makes me so happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it seems like it's obviously a thing that, like, this is your passion. You've made yeah. this your your life. Um, yeah. And I've heard as well that I think uh, your your team works wharf to wharf every year, the start line, right? And am I yeah. right that you both work and then are the last starter at that race? Is that still a tradition? Uh, that would be, I think that's more relevant to McConville. You know, Scotty McConville? Oh, Scott, Scott, yes, Scotty yeah. does that? Okay. Yeah, yep. Scotty's the race director. He's healthy everything. And he'll even bring a radio with him in the race uh, as he's running hard. He's done that. Oh, wow. It's amazing. I've run it a few times on it, but I wouldn't, I, I didn't do it in the back. I'd go up front. 
I'd be like, all right, we're done with setting up all the, the wave starts. I would just go and then just run and repeat that first wave and hope that they got it right. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got it. You're good. That's what you have your yeah. team that you that you trust for, right? I trust. Another great team. Best team in the world. Um, so you did mention another thing there too, though, before getting into uh, race directing, you went to law school um, yeah. and, and were an agent for a little while. Mm-hmm. And like you said, 15% of very little is even less. Um, but so uh, who were you representing as an agent during that phase of your career? That's a good question. First client ever uh, was the ultra marathon man, Dean Carnassi. Um Dean and I connected through a sports agency in San Francisco. And it was actually really fun. Like, I mean, Dean is kind of a bad rapper in there for just being like all about Dean. But when you're an athlete and an author and like a spokesperson, it kind of has to be all about me. I mean, you have to make it all about you when you survive even. So we did a North Face deal. We did 50 marathons in 50 states. We had a few books come out when I was working with them. It was pretty fun uh, for a first client. And I learned a lot about the industry, uh, about like smoking beer. <laughs> How did that uh, happen well, as yeah. like a first time agent that you land Dean Carnass? I mean, yeah, he was a big deal. I mean, yeah. you know, getting all these covers and things like that. So he had a, a friend or a person that he was referred to at Evolve Sports, this guy Kier Beedling. Um, we owned and produced the Mavericks for Contest back then. So Kier was another lawyer. I was just coming out of law school and I Googled um, marathons and surfing. I think, because <laughs> I didn't want to go find a, be a real lawyer. And it came up with like, this is a sports management company in San Francisco that is represent, you know, doing, producing the Silicon Valley Marathon. Uh, they've got a few athletes and they produce an average surf contest. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to work in a law office. I want to go do that. And so I came out and they connected Dean and I. We hit it off and I don't know, pretty good at selling things, selling myself to people and signed them. So there you were, whatever, 20, 26 so years old, starting to, start to, start to do the deals, just just make a, start building the empire from there. So I uh, guess, um, what parts of it, you said you wanted to be Jerry Maguire of Olympic sports. Yeah. What part of your agent's career were the most like Jerry Maguire, and what parts were the least like Jerry Maguire? <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think we got too close to the Jerry Maguire land, which is probably why I backed out pretty quickly. Okay. But... You know, Dean and I, we did some pretty cool trips. Um, Kauai, that's where I met and got connected with the Kauai Marathon. So we go and I'd be like, you know, have a house on the beach and you're somehow working at this point, you know, getting ready for a marathon. Um, also be cool. Uh, traveling around the U.S. Uh, I did Bad Water. I did Bad Water. I don't know how that's during the fire at all. This is just trying to get stories, JT. This is yeah. just trying to get stories. <laughs> But Dean and I definitely ran naked through the desert to Badwater um, <laughs> just because his shorts were bugging him and it was super hot. So we're just like, all right, let's just take off. It's it was story. just a moment of agent <laughs> solidarity, I guess. Exactly. I was like, all these did, I'm not doing it alone. I was like, all right, together. <laughs> it's I'm your like, shorts that are bothering you, not mine. Exactly. So that's in one of his books. Dean and I running naked through uh, some part of the desert. Um, <laughs> and then the least like Jerry Maguire would be also the exact same suit, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> running 20 miles with the desert, Jerry would make for a terrible movie. 
um, so we also represented a surfer named Liz Clark. She was really cool. She, she's still out sailing and surfing around the world, represented by Patagonia. Um, I was kind of just scratching itches. Like, that's what I kind of realized. Is like, I think that was cool. Can I do it? How do I do it? Let's figure it out. Um, and I'm still doing that. Am I right, JT, that you were, as part of scratching those itches, also involved in, like, what I'm going to call a short-lived running media startup operation. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty accurate. I mean, okay. this was early podcast. Like, we were on it. You yeah. know when at, we were, like, early on Instagram, so it was called, um, it was called The Trailer. Uh, the Trailer? Get in the Trailer? Get in the Trailer. That's what it was. Uh, John Gala, myself, Josh Muxon, and a few others, we had on a bunch of guests early, early podcast that I swear if we would have stuck with it, it'd be the biggest running podcast by far, just because it was the head of the game and we were getting DC guests. I think we had, you know, people on from London Olympics, so that was what, 2012? Okay. Yeah, wow, that is like yeah, early, yeah, that was early podcast days. That's Whoa. early podcast. In also known as radio. We're <laughs> 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 early podcasting to be a great dude. But sometimes not a great dude. Like he's just willing, <laughs> just willing to blow up people like for a story. And in running, it's really hard to do that and keep your reputation. Like he would write all these stories about like Brian Hall being coached by God and like wanting to like just get him on the podcast and then just like blast him over it and be like, Oh, what did God tell you to do this week? And we weren't willing to do it. Hey, I'm friends with Brian and we had a creative difference. So yeah, we were podcasting eight years ago. And uh yeah, you know. I think it's like you said, it's very difficult to uh dig into people in an industry that's so small, relatively speaking. <laughs> and I get why. He wants he wanted to make it interesting. He wanted to turn it into a thing bigger than it is. He loves it. But at the same time it's like I've got a mouth to feed at this company, I'm trying to build it. It seems really alienate people very quickly in this world in our in our industry. Yeah, especially when your guest is also I mean, your guests are also your audience, right? A lot of the time. Yeah. So, you know, case in point, like this podcast, we speak to you, I think. We speak about you, and now you're a guest as well. So our pool is already very, very small. Exactly. And we're all just trying to stay above water right now. So let's keep it positive. Absolutely. That's the main goal. (laughs) You know, we kind of kicked it off with this comical CVS receipt style list of the (laughs) – jobs that you do and then (laughs) (laughs) now i'm just picturing a cvs receipt you get it you buy like chapstick and it's six feet long what do they even say on there okay so they're always they're they're real reason cvs is doing that is data manipulation or data data control they want to know everything you're buying when when you're buying it but they don't care to give you discounts they really just want to know when you're due to buy another set of razors and then remind you that they'll give you two dollars off and so that's what it'll have. If it's, when you go to the store and you're about to do with it, they like connect it to the calendar or the algorithm to think it's time for you to get extension. Um, tons of offers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great lesson for all of us. 
in terms of uh, separating our group and running races and knowing what they want and when they want. Man of many thoughts. See, we segue beautifully from CVS receipts to segmentation within yeah. race communications. This yeah. is a professional. <laughs> <laughs> but the, seriously, though, so we talked about Silverback, Run Local, Soul Focus, Silicon Valley Marathon, um, your what would have been a thriving podcast in today's uh, atmosphere. But can you do me the massive favor yeah. and just like, how do these different organizations, companies fit together? Are they under yeah. an umbrella company? Is anyone the lead? Like, how does it work? No, that's a really good question. Sometimes I forget as well. But I, I, if anyone can do it, I can do it. The Soul Focus Sports is the first thing we created. And it primarily manages, both on, on the surface, it works with clients. If we're producing something for Stanford Children's Hospital, a 5K, a fundraising event, that comes to Soul Focus. Soul Focus Sports also owns Run Local events. Or run, or run local. Run local events are all proprietary. So anything that we do, such as the Silicon Valley Half, um, the San Jose 408K, the Across the Bay 12K, that's going to be a run local event because we manage every single part of that from marketing to sponsorship to the actual event production. But if it's just a sole focus client, such as Stanford Children's Hospital, Stanford Giant, Under Armour, Hoka, um, Client Experiential, stuff like that, that's going to be a sole focus kind of project. It's run local and we're selling t-shirts to say run local and doing an event. It's going to run local. Now, that's all one company. And it could be fit in one bucket. The other side of the business is going to be Silverback. And so all we did with Silverback, this is the brainchild of Kyle Myers, the guy is a logistics and operations wizard. He is the real head of Silverback. I just came in and helped with business development. We invested some money in it when they came to the Bay Area. They used to be based in Lawrence, Kansas. Have a, a fabrication shop out there, but Silverback, I can't take any credit for it other than helping connect Kyle to different people in the area. He is built that thing from ground up. So uh, I think that's Kyle's baby, and he does an amazing job with Beta Breakers, San Francisco Marathon, and all the event rentals you could ever need on the West Coast. So, <clears throat> I think that helps a little bit um, in terms of how it slices out, and then I'm just there to support and try to make people's jobs easier to offer companies. Yeah, so basically, sole focus, you could say that's your hired gun arm, and yeah. then run locals your own events. Yeah. yeah. Silverbacks, your equipment event. logistics. And then yeah, where would Silicon event. Valley fall? Is that a run local owned event or a separate event? It's all venture? by run local, and okay. the only thing that the tweak on it is that Neb and Rahawi, Neb could let me and Rahawi yep. could let me own a, a small part of it because they invested in it and we brought it back. That's awesome. That's a yeah. great 10,000 foot view of the empire. I think it's yeah. all it. Yeah. <laughs> we just getting started. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a different uh, tune than we've been hearing the past five months. It's uh, good to see, you know. Yeah, and it's progress. so helpful. And so, yeah, that, and I, I spoke to it earlier. I think for how he called me on this probably 10 years ago, he's been trying this a long time. He said, why do you do so many different things? He was like, I think you should focus on, you know, just that. Just to be event. Maybe just work with brains. And it just, it didn't appeal to me very much to just do one thing repeatedly. Um, but I always thought about it. I was like, how are we right? And then even he came up, I think six months ago and he was like, I don't listen to me ever again. He's like, keep doing exactly what you're doing. And it, it totally 
totally saved us over the last six months. Uh, when we couldn't put on a, a live event and we could dig into our client work and help them transition to, you know, virtual events or different types of marketing campaigns or, or work on our apparel or create new content. Like we had other arrows in the quiver, like ready for this opportunity and ready for now. And I think, uh, yeah, my diversity DD really kicked in. <laughs> I mean, it makes yeah. perfect sense, right? You don't put all your investments into a single stock, you, yeah. like it, on paper. But how could you ever see this coming, right? Like I wouldn't go DMSE uh, in, throughout New England to be like, oh, you guys should diversify. I'd be like, you guys are freaking killing me. You're even working with Lululemon all over the place. Like, Matt West, keep going. But how would you know like, not to have just that? Yeah, absolutely. But I think in order to produce live events at the level that some of the top tier companies are, in the U.S., they're not just producing an event. They're looking at it from the ground up and saying, are you branding it properly? Are you communicating it properly? Are you creating relationships? Are you doing any lead-up stuff? Like, it's not just let's show up and produce this one day smash and grab, lack of a better word. <laughs> but you're going to pay. And I think those no, are the companies that are doing well during this. Exactly. Yeah. It's well thought out. Um, yeah. A good con hurts from the shoes up. <laughs> Do they? Yeah. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I think that's what I think we're but, gonna we're gonna take and run with that one. A good con starts from the shoes up. Is that uh, what that was? I think so. Just the idea that like the whole thing should work from the bottom up. Everything yeah. we're building at Run Local is gonna have digital. It's gonna have an apparel piece. It's just gonna live in an ecosystem. We do something on podcast or work with one of our brands. Yeah, we've talked about this before. It's kind of gotten to the point, and not kind of, but I mean, it's way beyond that. I think we as a running industry are probably, you know, like five to 10 years behind most. Mm -hmm. I think if, I don't know if you had a chance to sit in, I think it was the Accelerator series, but uh, they had Ingrid from Noon, who's a new hire. She came from uh, makeup, I guess, and fashion. But yep. she was at digital media and she started looking and we had a conversation. We were just looking at where we are in the digital space. And it was very similar for when makeup went from the consults that you got at the mall. Um, you know, when your mom would yep. sit there and like have her face put on by someone telling them like, this is your skin tone. So how do you take that personal, super, super personal experience and then put it into a virtual space like web driven? And that's not too dissimilar to what we're doing right now with races. Right. We're going from yep. in-person to like, go do it at home. And this is our touch point. But I think we all have to, you know, sharpen our wits and get a little bit better about everything we're doing. So Yeah, I hate to say it, it could be the best thing that ever happens to this industry. If, if there's a way for us to take all the negatives or all the things we're learning right now and put it into that, put it into the, the future experience where it's going to be these virtual events leading into live events that are then followed up by some type of activation that keeps people closer to the sport the entire time or closer to your brand. Like now you've created a year-long offering versus here's three events in three different seasons. You've got a, a real calendar. Yeah. I mean, it's 
the third running boom, let's call it. I it's I don't I didn't keep track, so it could be less or more. But let's call it the third. I think this is going to be the time where, like, the industry catapults and catches up. Like, honestly, starts looking yeah. around and operates more as a business rather than a lifestyle hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see as we get back everything from user experience to very nitty gritty stuff that even Eli and I get into, which is like, are we going to pack corrals like as no, packed as we normally did? It's a probably not. Right. Can't do that anymore. But That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just glad I have smart people on my team who hopefully thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's all about opinions, offense, right? Tony. That's not part of offense. It, hey, it can be. <laughs> yeah, so, everything. So is. I, I want to jump in for a second here, JT, yeah. though, because you um, uh, keep talking about your team and obviously, like this, you know, group of folks that you really trust, and all of these like different pieces that seem, you know, from the outside and seem from what you're saying here to be running pretty well internally in, in an environment that's thrown so many people in our industry so topsy-turvy so like i'm gonna pitch you an idea and i want you to tell me whether this is right about this is about you at your core what i think i'm hearing that you are best at and then i'm going to compare you to someone pantless desert running (laughs) yeah yeah, number one (laughs) top pantless desert runner second best pantless desert runner after (laughs) but um or is what you are strongest at talent id and if so are you the Bill Simmons of the running industry? Wow. That's a very sweet thing to say. Um, maybe, but I would take it a little further. Even if, okay. I'm, if I'm good at something, it'd be almost more Arthur than you, in that I think champions can be found anywhere. And if given the right time, tools, and opportunities that to succeed, learn their craft, all those different things, then they can they can be the top of the top. So uh, yes, they're talented, they're amazing, but we have a sense of loyalty and family, a sole focus on local silverbacks. So I I don't know if it's matched. Anymore. Like I would put them up for that. So I think what I've done is developed a team, a family, and like kept them together, and just given them the opportunity to do what they do best. So. Maybe it's talent ID. They're very talented. But it's something that's happened over the last 10 years. We've lost one person. Wow. That's amazing. That's some good retention right there. You must be giving out really good times, which may be a fantastic segue. I don't think there's (laughs) ever been an event or conference gathering, whatever you want to call it, where you were around and it was dull. You we know, have yeah, we have you, you have really good uh, culture, I think, across yeah. your ops, as you mentioned, and beyond your team. I think you just kind of radiate that as you dabble in different places. Are, are there any particular, well, man, the the running event when you were here in Austin, that was uh, special? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a few low moments, but a few really high moments, and that's just kind of how it goes. Oddly enough, the high moments were at night, low moments were immediately in the morning when you went to CBS, you got Excedrin, an amazing tall receipt, and then a 20% coupon for more Excedrin the next morning. Oh my gosh. Um, I do. I mean, maybe it's like life philosophy that comes from 
you know, what you grow up knowing, which is trying to find out why we're all here, which is, to, for me, to have impact in, in the life around me and to have a good time. So I want to do positive things, and at the same time, I want to balance that with I don't know if it, it goes much deeper than that, other than we have a lot of fun. I want to make sure they're having fun. I think I've been fairly I've made some sacrifices and not pay myself very much money over the last 10 years to make sure that we can have a big team and that they're getting paid fairly. I think it's probably have It's a long-term view. And it should be. Yeah, I mean, this is an investment. And I think if if we wanted to make money... I probably would have stayed in marketing, right? Like B2B stuff and sales. Right. So you probably would have been an attorney. Eli yeah. probably would be an accountant somewhere. Yep. <laughs> I can only imagine. Imagine, Eli, you could probably remember like an entire company's books without even having to reference them. <laughs> Tony, um, I, I could accuse you of anti-Semitism right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, in my defense, I totally forgot you were Jewish. Yeah, I do too. Uh, my parents don't, but I do. Uh, Can we talk about Judaism, Judaism real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, um, this is a whole new yeah. segment. Okay, I just found out that I'm like 25% Jewish and never knew it my entire life. It's a total 23 of me story where my grandmother, Millicent Scott, turned out to be Mildred Geltman from Manhattan in the Lower East Side. And she just told us she was. Irish Catholic her whole life, and then we found out in 2013 that she was 100% Ashkenazi Jew, and like rocked my family's world. Whoa! In terms of like, oh, we are, and then I see her now, and I'm like, well, she, she passed years ago, and I think of her now, and I'm like, of course she's like a great little Jewish woman, like <laughs> like a Jewish woman. She talks like it, like has this great like, and not the stereotype. Of course. And then I look well, at my dad and I'm like, JT, so are you? you're, one of, you're one of us now. So yeah, I'm part of the tribe. So, JT, welcome. Mazel tov. Thank you. Um, I, we're, we're really glad to have you as a member of the team. Oh. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll let you know, you know, uh, where the secret room is, where we control <laughs> the banks and the media from shortly. <laughs> um, so since you're one of us now, you can, you can have that secret. Um, awesome. Uh, yeah. I I want to sidetrack just a little bit um, into uh, you mentioned um, having been friends with Howie for a while uh, and, you know, Silicon Valley Marathon. But uh, what's it like having uh, Meb as a business partner? Uh, Is is he a good business partner? (laughs) He has the best kind of business partner. He says, where, what can I do? You know, that's like Meb's best quality. Like, how can I help? And it's, People just want to hang out with Meb. And it's a big reason why we partnered with him in the first place. He's one of those athletes that people will want to hang with Meb, do a shakeout with Meb, uh, put a Zoom call right now with Meb, read his book for the next 20 years. Like, I think he's going to have the longest tail of these athletes because of the American dream aspects of him, because of, he's so affable. Ah, pretty sweet. And then what you get with Howie and with Liam and John, the rest of the team at Howie Sports Management, is that you know that business acumen that can't match. So it's a great combo. It's, it's getting a team and not just that. Yeah, no, it, it is a good group for sure over there. Um, and uh, one other thing that 
entirely separate from the whole Silicon Valley thing. I, I know you were early in the podcast game, but we've talked a little bit about how a part of your repertoire right now yeah. is, you know, you, you're you're back in the podcast game, not just with us, but with uh, the Run Local Pod and your uh, Wednesday Instagram Lives. So as a one professional podcaster to another, uh, I'm curious, how's this going right now, JT? <laughs> I think there are so many freaking podcasts out there that it's really hard to tell if we're doing a good job or not. Like, oh, I, I know we're not. not. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys produced, I, I told you guys this a month, two months ago. I was like, you guys produced a pretty professional show. And I'd like that you throw it back and forth and seem prepared. You're much more prepared than Josh Muxon and I. He's the, the voice of Run Local. Um, and I think he's doing a great job. I'm stoked on our guests. Like, I'm really enjoying. We've had Alyssa Nacken on. She's the first Major League Baseball uh, yeah. female coach. Yeah, great episode. Cool. If you're looking for one episode, I start there. If you want episode number two, I would go to Justin Forsett. He's, uh, we recently invested in his company called Hustle Clean. He's an ex-NFL running back. And he just, he basically just exudes motivational speaker when he gets on your podcast. He talks about how you become a 5'8 running back in, uh, whatever. Oh, oh. um, so, uh, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna do a little interruption here. We haven't done this to anyone yet. Um, and we know you're a pretty open book, but, uh, what y'all just heard there is, um, you're an open book, but sometimes people don't even know what the best stories about themselves are. And so, uh, we actually already come up, uh, on this episode already, but I'm really stoked to welcome on our special. We're doing like, this is your life apparently now. Um, Kyle Myers, um, uh, here's a special guest. Welcome to the pod, Kyle. Oh, thanks, guys. We'll keep this as professional as possible. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> hey, Jay. Oh, no. We're, no, no, we're no. Not, we're not doing that. That's not what <laughs> that's, that's not you're here. We literally have people listening. This is so weird because this morning I was like, we should, Kyle should be on this podcast. Too. Like, maybe I'll call Tony and Eli and be like, can we bring Kyle on too? Because this, I, I wouldn't do it that now he's here. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Kyle kept kept the secret. We did say we were going to have you on, Kyle. Um, one, because you know, I just want to catch up. It's been a little while. I, I hope you're doing well. Um, how are things for you? They're good. They're good. Uh, we've got a beautiful baby girl, Charlotte. She's almost 10 months. Uh, uh, just plugging away on the silverback side of things. And yeah, things are... Things are good. We're having a little beach day after this call, so can't complain. Nice, good. And so, um, JT uh, is, of course, an international man of mystery who has so many <laughs> stories about him. And what we wanted to have you on is, JT, I will say, Kyle said such nice things about you in emails when we told him we wanted him to come on and be a special guest. And so, Kyle, though, what I really want you to talk about before we can get to those nice things, we'll, we'll, we'll let you do that. <laughs> fine um but like i think you probably know more uh, about jt uh than probably anyone you know a true uh true partner in silverback and in crime in many other ways i'm sure mm. um so uh, uh jt he he was highly loyal in email but i'm gonna rake him over <laughs> the, the, the coals a, a little bit here um can you like tell me a time of a story when JT was like doing something totally wrong, and you or someone had to save his bacon. I don't know. Oh, maybe I'm gonna pick one. 
entire Chicago Marathon from 2018. Uh, <laughs> so before we get to that, because that's actually what I do want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I had this grandiose vision this morning, Eli, when we were confirming the, the call, and uh, we, we also had a, a Peloton ride this morning, a group ride with Silverback Popo. I had this, this beautiful vision that I was just going to hammer the hell out of JT, and then I didn't want to talk about it. Lo and behold, that obviously did not work. I finished mid-pack. Uh, then I found out JT was actually cheating. He's trying to crack 700 watts for the actual <laughs> ride. He wasn't following Emma Lovewell's instructions whatsoever. So I feel a little reduced on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a correction per se. It was probably just the, the most defeated I've probably seen JT at the end of an event. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys know my backstory, but I've been kicked for belly there for six, seven years uh, before we started Silverback. And every year since since I left the started Silverback, I'd go back to the Chicago Marathon and see friends and, and I was cool there. It's kind of fun just uh, to, to jump back into the Lakeshore Athletic Services world for one weekend and one weekend only. Um, and I know you guys have all seen it, but on the LAF side, it is is mayhem from Wednesday to Monday. And, uh, you know, we handle all the traffic control and closures and, and whatnot. And JT was, was ready to go. Um, he jumped in at first. And uh, <laughs> we had one of those trucks that was basically a single cab, and it was the driver, me, and JT. And it was every little intersection for three days, stop, get out, drop trucks, or whatever. By the end of the JT was like, I'm just not going to get in the cab. I'm just going to lay in the back of the bed with cones surrounding me, just kind of wallowing in his own defeat. Uh, you know, it'd be raining half the time. There's cones everywhere. There's barricades everywhere. Just a ton of crap. And uh, he hung in there, but uh, certainly out of his, uh, his comfort zone. Yeah. And I think we were in the middle. We were both going to New York for other events right after. So it was just like, what are we doing here? Um, but there was, there was no complaint. It was just, you could tell it was, you know, that was JT at the end of his row. You guys, in my defense, I'm a, I'm a fun salesy guy. I'm not like the drill that. I mean, I've picked up a cone. I've done my barricades here and there, but I'm not great at it. That's not my strong point. So three days in the rain with like two hours of sleep a night uh, and a bottle of wine in between somehow, I swear to God, I don't know how Lakeshore Athletic Services or Kyle Myers functioned at that high of a level. So I was absolutely in awe of the team. You were a really, really good sport. <laughs> I love that that's nightmares. the takeaway. It's like, how'd I do? You were a really good sport. <laughs> good try. Good try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that would be, there, there's certainly no corrections, uh, if you will. But, uh, yeah, that was just one of those. Out of his comfort zone, hung in there, um, and we had a blast through the whole thing, even though it was you know, total mayhem. I'll never do that again. <laughs> I'm just telling you guys right now. Right uh, now. One and done. That was a one and done. He's like, yeah, I think by the end of it, you said, you said you were there for four days and you didn't see a single runner on the course. I didn't see one runner. 
slightly different experience. But Kyle, Kyle, Kyle was like, so how do you like it with the proletariat? And I was like, that is a great way to put it, Kyle. Oh, is, it, is, is this the deal? Like, it's like there's a labor capital shtick going on between the two of you guys? 100%. Okay, got it. <laughs> so the workers in management. Got it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's what you do. And I've heard this, JT, about when you show up with your crew is when 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 you show up, people do put you to work and like totally just like harangue you the whole oh, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, I play into it because if they're having fun, then we're all having so it's like, oh, JT doesn't know how to, you know, throw around barricades very well and cut himself again. Or, <laughs> or that one time I, like, pulled my hamstring in a race walk. And they loved oh, that. yeah, that was on my list of things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I'm sorry, what? what the race, walk, race walk relay at the Stanford track. Um, yeah. This is about the same time, actually, probably 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT pulled up short uh, in his race rock stride as, uh, as his hamstring exploded. Yeah, it popped. Uh-huh. I was racing, you guys, I was race walking so fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. The hamstring couldn't take it. I don't know if a hamstring's ever been race walked. <laughs> it's still on turn one in the 4x100 of the race walking day. <laughs> But that's great camaraderie stuff. There's nothing to pull a team together more than the boss getting hurt. That's uh, lesson number one. Uh, is that why you're always? Uh, I mean, I heard you mention JT cut himself again. Um, is that why you're just on site, just taking out the uh, the snips and cutting yeah. it and slashing your hand on the edge of it? Oh, look what I did, guys! Oh, they also send you home then too, don't yeah, they? Exactly. Yeah. So this is an out. <laughs> Got it. All right. So, so forget the work stuff for a second, Kyle. I guess. Like, um, I asked like some former coworkers at the SRA, you know, Scott and Danielle, who who you've worked with before, uh, both of them, of course, uh, as well. Um, JT and and Gary, who I at least know you've drank with. I don't know if you've worked with him. Um, so I asked some former coworkers, I was like, hey, what are the JT stories? And they like threw out all sorts of like weird stuff, like, oh, he's a bad ping pong player. He collects old briefcases. <laughs> Like so, like total international man of mystery. Like I'm saying, there there are layers here that are just unpacked. So Kyle, like, forget the work side. Those of us in in the industry, we know the work side of JT. He cuts his hands. He cuts his barricades. Uh, whatever. We know this. Well, what are uh, something outside of work that people in the industry might not know about JT that you would want to share with us? You know, I, I actually go, it, 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 there's a tie to work just because it happens to be a place we go to after beta breakers often. But uh, he loves his karaoke. There's a place in, in Chinatown called Bao Bao. Uh, I think it's part of the reason I fell in love with this to begin with. Uh, just just a terrible, terrible karaoke bar, but it's perfect uh, on that place. But I would say, for, for me, um, outside of the work, JT and I probably spend the most time uh, up in Tahoe. And uh, I, I don't know if you, you guys have ever seen his Instagram footage of, of when he's snowboarding, but he would swear he's a 16-year-old Gumby that is willing to just tuck himself off of any 
anything and basically cartwheel down the mountain. <laughs> 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 Completely unafraid of, of anything uh, in terms of getting hurt, his body, sacrificing limbs, whatever. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and I was actually thinking, I was telling my wife the story last night, which she did chuckle out to. Uh, we were up in Tahoe at my wife's family's house for like a, uh, like a little over a week. And it was just JT and I and my, my father-in-law. And it, we were snowed in. We couldn't leave Tahoe. And we skied when the mountains were open, worked when we couldn't. And uh, so we would ski, and then we would come home, and we would get entrenched in the This Is Us marathon. And great I never show. watched great show. You know, we're crying watching This Is Us with my wife's father and just the, just the three of us hanging out. Um, one night he taught us how to fold a fitted sheet. But yeah, a lot of a lot of amazing times of actually the larger sort of family in Tahoe. Uh, he's a voracious reader too. I don't know. I would say both are some of the, the non-work-related JT stories I've got. There's some more, um, but uh, not appropriate. Keep <laughs> saying that, and I mean that is what you're, you know, you're, you're kind of supposed to feel <laughs> right now. Um, we really can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to jail. It will ruin relationships. Okay, so Kyle is not going to tell that story. We're going to uh, stop recording at some point here and, and, and get to show the person at Running USA, uh, maybe not in person in New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a great start. Uh, whenever that is. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, Kyle, so I've kind of teed you up for a few specific things, uh, but do you have. And, and I don't think we should let you off the hook, uh, Tony. I mean, maybe I know we're going to do evergreen closers in a little bit here, but I, I think Kyle should maybe stick around. And I think so. Absolutely. I vote yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Kyle. <laughs> uh, not that we won't have you back on, Kyle, on a later episode as well, because we should. We got to talk to you. We, you and I got to talk Minneapolis at some point. Is really what we got to um, yeah. But uh, before we, we go into the evergreen closers for the both of you, uh, one parting shot, Kyle. Uh, the one thing that you wanted to make sure that you got in, that because I've been cutting you off and <laughs> you haven't been able to get to, that you want to make sure you get to say uh, about JT to the whole world, which of course is listening to this podcast. Yeah, of course. Uh, I had it written, and then I read your like directions that don't have another browser open, so I closed it. So kind of winging it. Um, but no, I think uh, it goes back to. Family with JT and I, uh, I think there's there's a mutual respect and admiration for what both of us do and bring to the table together. And uh, you know, it's, it's much more than just business partners. Uh, I don't have a brother, but if I did, he would be the guy. And uh, you know, we're we're as successful as we are and enjoy what we do because we really believe uh, in all these efforts that we're taking on. Uh, I can't. Thanks enough to JT for you know, giving us a chance out here. And, and that's about God. Yeah, I love you. Too. 
Oh, oh man, that, I'm definitely going to find like an audio track that is <laughs> in nice as Kyle speaking. Maybe like the one of the Hulk, like the sad Hulk walk away. I don't know if you guys have heard that one. That one's a good, good tearjerker. I love this because I came up huge with how much I was complimenting Kyle earlier in this podcast. I could have played it a totally different way, and it now just fits perfect. Kyle adorable. <laughs> this has worked out nicely. No, it's it's um Scrubs. Uh, Tony, I just realized the track. Yeah. Do you want to say it's Guy Love song from Scrubs? Love also between a good contender, guys. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's what we're going to have to... I think we just found an episode name, guys. <laughs> there you go. I do like that Eli had this very strict set of rules to send out to guests, yet Eli is the one with the dog barking in the background. But Kyle, <laughs> you've got to close that browser. It's really going to fuck things up if you don't. Right? I had a whole like, list of bullets and then I read the note last minute. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's sappy, but... Oh, I feel. Oh, that's adorable. It's very sweet. And yeah, no, I had the dog barking. I had the plane flying over. Um, so, so yeah, no, uh, just don't listen to any instructions, any future guests uh, who might be listening right now. Uh, just disregard everything. Let's see how that audio quality goes for you in the editing then, Tony. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. No harsh feelings there. If only <laughs> there was Gyla on this side of the room. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's kind of crazy we talk for what feels like 10 minutes with people from the industry i think with kirsten we talked for a super long time and it felt like nothing and you know i appreciate kyle jumping on telling us some chicago stories which by the way i had no idea you guys were there every time i'm in chicago i just get shoved into a tin can at grant park <laughs> and then i walk from that tin can to the under of the grant park and back and forth for like seven to ten days yeah. And I know that one stretch of Michigan super well, but everything else is a mystery. Wow. It's a madhouse out there. Stay in your tin can. <laughs> yeah, I really do like it. Chaos. I get to jump out every now and then, it's do a couple really of things. Fun. But, you know, Chicago, that's an amazing race. That's a man. If you could do anything you wanted to do, right? That's kind of like the mm-hmm. mecca of operations and logistics, uh, Jesus, finances to be able to pull off some of the stuff they pull off. Kyle, I don't know if you ever got to kind of geek out over their biofreeze activation and how oh, they. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we not only geeked out, we are hands on. <laughs> yeah, but did you hear about like all the trials that they went through to even get to the point where they deemed it feasible? They were actually a, a, we worked with them quite a bit on some of the same trials. I think Chicago was the first that they actually did the full spray station. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, yeah, I remember looking at some of the, the schematics that were at the LAS office, uh, about how all that went through. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get Brad and Kirk on, but they legit set up like mock biofree stations at their warehouse and they set them up with wow. different um, like absorbent pads between the mesh and they put fans to uh, I guess replicate the wind conditions and where the spray would carry they measured how far the spray carried but again it's one of those things of like what can you do with the right resources and it's like Chicago every single time 
CEM, Chicago Marathon, Shamrock Shuffle, and the way they have their events staggered, it makes so much sense to almost beta test something at a smaller scale before they amplify it for the marathon. But I don't know, different rabbit hole there. I just wanted to, I didn't know you guys were out yeah. there. So that's a very, very cool. I think just goes to show how massive these operations are right. that we're all in the same space yeah. and no one sees each other. I didn't know you were there. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we couldn't have seen JT anyway. He was lying down in the back of the truck. <laughs> and you know, if you guys have listened to the podcast in the past, you know that we have what uh, Eli has deemed as evergreen questions. So it's questions we ask at the end of every single episode, very similar to Bib Raves. What did you eat for breakfast? Uh-huh. Ours is a little, little bit different. So you finish your biggest event of the year. You've been grinding it out for days, sleeping in the back of trucks, maybe drinking a bottle of wine in between. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Running pantless, you know, up for grabs. Whatever you did during that week, you did it. And now you're at the end of it. The last cone has been put away and that roadway is back open. So what do you do? Where do you go? Who do you do it with? What do you drink and how much of it? Great question. (laughs) This is a great question, Eli. Thank you. Um, I'm pretty good about seeing and guessing when that last cone is going to be tossed up there. So I'm bouncing to the closest CBS to get a really long receipt and <laughs> like 12 Modellos. Um, and that's to have like a final beer with that crew, you know, to, as a job. So it's kind of like preempting all of it. And then like when that cone's done, it's like, here, here's the beer. Yeah. We're, we're really good at draining out that kind of close of the last truck door. And we will sit at the Ocean Beach parking lot for an hour just rehashing the day or the week and all bullshit. Uh, but yeah, then we'll probably be at Baobab. <laughs> I'm super glad you brought that up, Kyle, because I had jotted it down and I totally forgot, but... We talked about Bao Bao and we talked about JT loving karaoke. And I just have to know, what's your karaoke go-to? End of the Road by Boys to Men. Uh, No shit. Self-supported too. You went for like a group that you sing by yourself. So do you sing all the parts? Yeah, it's like 10 minutes long. It's really (laughs) bad. The last last part of it. Um, Well, this is like a karaoke place too. Like the, the reverb is set. Oh, it's the worst sound. Terrible. So everything just echoes in the room. There's no carpet. It would be terrible for your points that you put up on your uh, kitchen for the room. <laughs> the size of a small kitchen, you can fit about 12 people inside there. There's always an old Asian guy in the corner smoking cigarettes still because there's no rules at Bao Bao. All the candy is pouring you terrible like Jack Daniel shots just because you looked at it funny. It's the greatest place on earth. And I'd love to host you there next time. And we're allowed to go to indoor bars. That's a big part of it, yeah. (laughs) We'll have our next Super Spreader event there. That'd be great. Yeah, a bow bow. Everyone everyone there. To be fair, though, if you went in there and you exited, you're probably immune to most things based on how you painted it. Yeah, I'm not afraid. I I do need to know, though. So is, is the backing track, the music, is it actual music or is it the mighty tone, you know, like the old school like pings sounds awful. It's, it's where they brought over from um, mainland China, and it's just like a lot of uh, gosh. Kyle's right. It sounds awful. 
the reverb is terrible. You can't sound good. And then you've got like an echo to your vocal. Um, pretty great. I pretty like great. it. It's like but a, I do, yeah, it's what, a built-in reverb. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, exactly. it's great. But what Kyle's talking about, and I think is an important part of what I was talking about earlier on, you know, what we've created here is not so much about talent, but just about people, you know, loving working with our crew and being on that crew. And because of that time taken after an event that it's not just close the door, everyone get home and leave as soon as possible. People just aren't in a huge hurry to go. They want to talk about the day. They want to have that final beer. Go to Bow Bow, stay an extra night so that we can hang out with each other. And it's uh, going on a decade for both of us. I think that's beautifully put. One of my, I guess, mindsets with folks as you're starting to find people you want to put on your team or um, folks that you really just want to work with is how often they look at their watch during the workday and how not often, I guess, they look at it after you're done with the timeline. To me, that's a huge tip off of whether or not they want to be there. And you know, we'd said it earlier, we're not doing this to get rich because you quite, you really can't for the most part. So you really have to want to be there. And even down to like first time events, it's like, how do you feel about portalettes? Like, what do you mean? Like all of it. Do you, can you touch them? Can you move them? Can you use them? <laughs> you know, it's a very rare breed. And I think when you find people that want to do all this, you, you know, you kind of click. And it is. It's it's a weird group of misfits that are incredibly smart, um, as you guys have shown. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Is Thank there you, anything Eli. else you guys want to cover? Kyle, JT, any more embarrassing stories? Uh, is it a Modelo Especial or Negro Modelo? You know, there's details here that we're just skimming Specifically over. Typically, Especial. I'm actually more of a Tecate guy. Lime or no lime? I get really bad at the reflex, but I try to... <laughs> There we go. Now the age no. shows through. <laughs> As of the, the hamstring injury on uh, the power walking patent, we just, we just really want to put a pin in it. All right, Tony, was that you begging me to wrap this up? Is that what I just heard? <laughs> no, I'm generally curious. You know, the Lyme situation is it's hotly debated here. I think it makes it <laughs> worse. <laughs> are you gonna cut them up like on site in a parking lot? Yeah. yeah. If someone gives one to me at a restaurant, I'm happy yeah, I'll to take it. squeeze it. Yeah. But I think in that case, good. you you drink the beer and you just bite into the raw lime. No, that doesn't work. All right, Eli, we're gonna hand it off to you. <laughs> All right, no, we gotta wrap up this episode of Early Podcast where we discuss issues and news and proper lime beer etiquette in the road race industry and get to know some of the people who keep it running. A huge thanks to our guests today, JT Service and Kyle Myers, two of the best guys, hardest working guys in the industry. Uh, congrats on your empire. We hope it keeps growing and making it through uh, this pandemic as well as it seems to right now and hope your team stays strong. Listeners, if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or guests you would like us to fight, please send us an email at earlycalltimepod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much again to Kyle and JT for being here. And we'll catch you all bright and early on the next episode of Early Call Time.
advertising, running events is your job. Join Tony and Eli and all their friends on the early call time. 